0: Amen, it's great to be with you today, and man, I'm excited for what God is doing in the midst of adoption ministry, especially at Christian Adoption Services. That video is powerful. We have been praying for many years and how we could share and uh, minister to moms, birth moms at a greater level. And there's a long story behind that, but that, that house we just dedicated a couple of weeks ago. It's about 45 minutes north of here, and it's going to house up to five moms uh, after they place their child for adoption up to a year. We're going to help them with their education, life skills, and so forth. So we're very excited about that, pour the gospel into these, these ladies as well. But that house, man, when we uh, when it, when it, the opportunity came for that, they called me and said, Kevin, we've got a house up here that uh checks a lot of the boxes about four bedrooms two baths and i'm like all right let's come look at it i remember looking at it the first time it was in the historic district of thomasville and i walked in and we went we opened the door and looked down into the basement and they had a pool now it wasn't a good pool you know what i'm saying i mean it was like three foot of water standing water in the basement and it had a lot of character as you could tell but i would call it uh it needed a lot of tender love and care And so, uh, a lot of folks, as you saw, a couple came and and gave a lead gift, and and others uh, jumped in with us to to raise some money to help uh, get that house together. It was about $350,000 to to restore the house um, to what you just saw there today, and we're so excited. In just a couple of weeks, we already have two moms, as you heard mentioned they're going to be ready to go and move in. And we can have up to five. We already identified a worker. So we're excited to continue just to, to care for birth moms to a whole other level. And we can only do that with folks uh, like West Cabarrus and churches like West Cabarrus to come beside and say we believe in what you're doing and we want to help you accomplish that. So thank you. Appreciate Pastor Ryan asking me many months ago to come uh, to be a part of this day. Certainly have a, a great love for West Cabarrus, not because I love Ryan and he's a Yankees fan and I'm a Yankees fan. and. We have a little baseball league we're in, and these boys are leaving notes up here about baseball and just messing with me, so if I get distracted and look down, it uh, smiles because they're leaving little notes for me, but uh, anyway, we have a lot of fun with that, but I, I love uh, I love your pastor, love his family, love what guys doing at West Cabarrus, and of course, uh, pretty fond of the young lady here uh, that was singing uh, to my left just a few moments ago. hard to believe she's almost been here two years now serving at West Cabarrus, so Every Sunday, I get updates about what God is doing. How's the service today? And said it went great, and it was all it was awesome, great service. Ryan's a wonderful preacher, and uh, we just have a great time together. And so thankful for what God's doing at West Cabarrus, and uh, get to hear again weekly. We get to uh, at Christmas Eve. We're here every year, uh, the last couple of years, to, to spend with you guys. And so you guys are kind of like our second... Church home family, I guess, uh, from a distance. And so I get the opportunity to preach all across North and South Carolina. So I'm gone quite a bit, um, but I'm thankful to be here. Didn't have to drive too far over. Uh, This morning to come be a part of the first service and thankful to be here on this Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day. And we thought that video would be appropriate given this was Mother's Day and how we care for moms and how moms are going to be living in that home in just a few weeks. And so uh, it is a special day to come together. And uh, I'm thankful for your mission statement too, you know, watching the video Uh, Pastor David over in Asia and Pastor Ryan of course crossed the pond as well um, on mission from from a mission focus and I love your mission statement you know it was shared a little bit earlier and I was uh, I love that it says West Cabrera's church exists to glorify God by making more and better disciples from neighborhoods to nations and certainly I think Wes Cabarrus is illustrating that today by David and and Ryan uh, serving uh, across the nations. But of course, uh, you guys are partner church of Christian Adoption Services, and so you're part of the neighborhoods as well um, and what God is doing here. So thank you for your prayers and support of CAS over these last couple years. It's amazing, and all the stories and all the things that that, uh, that lives that are impacted through adoption, you guys are a part of that. And so I pray you'll be encouraged today as we have the opportunity to, to look at a, a pretty cool text and talk about adoption and how it uh, relates to you and to me and how we can uh, continue to live for the Lord and strengthen our faith and all that we do uh, each and every day. Today's message is entitled, The Beauty of Adoption. The Beauty of Adoption, the story of Esther. And I remember a, a while back, um, when I was a kid, my dad was a pastor and so I grew up a PK and, and uh, was in Sunday school when I was little. And I remember learning about Esther, you know, when they put the little pictures up. You know, the, the, like, I don't know if that would be like Baptist Press or whatever that was back in Nashville. It's now Lifeway today, but it had the pictures and you saw the pictures of all the different stories of the Bible. But I remember Esther and kind of two takeaways I had from Esther as a kid um, and not really knowing a lot about Esther was, one, she was a queen and she was pretty, right? That's kind of what I remember. She was pretty, and she was a queen. And so today, as we, as we go through the book of Esther, uh, the day's message is entitled, The Beauty of Adoption. The Beauty of Adoption. What I didn't know, which I've learned later, obviously, as I preach this text a few times, is that Esther was adopted. I never really thought about that. It's kind of talked about in chapter 2, but uh, the beauty, you know, think about her beauty and the beauty of adoption. I never knew that, that, that never really thought about how much that she was adopted and how that played out in the whole story of Esther and ultimately protected uh, the, the Jewish people. And so I'm excited to go through this. Now, there are 10 chapters, and I'm not going to be able to go through all 10 chapters. So I'm going to cut a deal with you today, all right? We're going to beat the Methodists to lunch, all right? I promise, all right? Or the Presbyterians or whatever. But I need you to promise that this week you're going to go back and you're going to look. It won't take you about 45 minutes to really read it all. Ten chapters, they go fast. That you'll go back in your quiet time and you'll read this in detail. I'm going to overview it for you. And we're going to talk about four truths, but I'm not going to have time to go through it all in great detail. So I want you to commit to the Lord right now that you're going to go and you're going to, you're going to take some notes from what we talk about today. But go back and read the details of this because it's such rich rich truth that I think will bless you as you go back and and read this entire story in detail. But let me pick up in chapter 1. There are a few names I want to introduce to you, um, and I want you to kind of keep up with a few key characters here as we talk about. One is the king. His name is Asuras. He's the king of Persia. And we're introduced to the queen. Her name is Vashti in chapter 1. And so those are the the folks we're going to be introduced to. Let me back up a little bit into how we got here from a kind of a Old Testament 101. So if you go back, we won't go back to Genesis, okay, in the beginning, but we will go back to when the, the United Kingdom of Israel, the first king, obviously was Saul. So we have Saul, we have King David, then we have King Solomon. And if you, you remember that, there's a lot of, lot of great stories there. But what's sad is after Solomon, the nation of Israel was divided into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom was bad; they were real bad. Remember Ahab, Jezebel—you know, a bunch of kings. They really had no godly kings in the northern kingdom, and God continued to warn them through the prophets. And ultimately, in like 721, 722 BC, the nation, the Assyrians came in and wiped out the northern kingdom. Fast forward, go a little bit further. The southern kingdom had some mixture of good kings and bad kings, but ultimately they fell as well. Nebuchadnezzar, you remember that name, king of Babylon, in 605 BC came, came and took the Hebrew children out of Israel. Remember that would be Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those guys took the young children out. But ultimately, in 586 BC, uh, Babylon came back and destroyed the nation, the Southern Kingdom, and that was wiped out in 586. You fast forward through Nebuchadnezzar's life. The Book of Daniel gives great stories there. And then at the end, Nebuchadnezzar passes away. Um, Belshazzar, the next king. Uh, the Medes and the Persians come in. At when he, if you remember, he pulled the temple vessels out and did all that, desecrated the temple vessels. That night, the kingdom of Babylon was cut off. The Medes and Persians came in, and so you're somewhere in the you know fifth, early fifth, uh, late fifth century, or uh, really late sixth century BC. And then now we're here, just a few years after that, we're at the Persian Empire. And we're in the early 5th century, so somewhere in the 480s B.C., when we pick up the story here of the king. Now, the, when we talk about the king, there was a lot of protocols that were put in place for the king of that day. It's very fascinating when you, when you study this. Now, I don't know, in the last couple of weeks we've been focused, anybody been focused over in England and checking out all the things happening with the king and anybody look at all that? I don't care anything about it. My daughter does. My wife, they're getting up recording all the new channels. You know, little Harry. I don't know all the names, all these. Anyway, George, I think, some names. But anyway, fascinated. My sister, actually, she's married to a pastor, and Carrie flew over there for this. And I'm thinking, what are they doing, you know? But anyway, it fascinates people, okay? But there's some protocols that go along with all the, you know, how all this these things go in place even today. But back then, it was pretty serious. And so what we find out is that... Because if you were the queen, you couldn't just go knock on the, the king's, you know, in, in his throne room and say, I want to talk to you. That's not how it worked. You had to be summoned. There was all kinds of rules and order that went into place with the king. And so we pick up in chapter 1. You'll have to read this on your own. But chapter 1 kind of highlights the king is having a celebration. The king of is having a celebration for Persia. He invites the queen to come be a part of the special day. And she says no. She said no. That was a problem. Number one, you don't tell the king no, no matter who you are. All right? And two, it had to be embarrassing for the king. Remember, her name is Vashti. And so at the end of chapter one, the conclusion of all that was she will be queen no more. We're going to dethrone her. We're going to look for another queen. That's chapter one. Chapter 2 is where we're going to pick up as we talk about the story of the beauty of adoption, the story of Esther, and how we come to meet Esther. So let's look at chapter 2. We're going to read the text together in this, beginning in verse 5, as we think about the first truth as it comes to this story of the beauty of adoption, the story of Esther. And we find out that we, God's people, we are called to care for orphans. So let's look at verses 5 through 7. The Bible says in chapter 2, Esther chapter 2, verse 5, in Sushan, the citadel. There was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shimei, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who who had been captured with Jaconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And we just talked about that. Verse seven. And Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman was lovely and beautiful. When her father and mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Wow. So what we find out here is that Esther's parents passed away. She was an orphan. And her older cousin, Mordecai, adopted her, right, in a very difficult time for her. It had to be. And so I'm thankful. Certainly this story plays itself out in an amazing way. But it all comes back to this pivotal moment when a young Esther needed parenting And a family member adopted her as his own in this situation. And as you think about what Mordecai did here for his younger cousin and adopting her, we all have a role to play when it comes to caring for orphans. There are 165 million orphans worldwide. It's a lot, right? A lot of children that don't have parents here in the United States and all across the world. And I believe that, that God's people are the answer. The church is the answer. And we have a role to play. And why, why do we have a role to play? You say, you know, like my wife Kim and I, we've not adopted. We're three biological. M's the oldest, Stephen and then Ben. We've not adopted. But I believe because God adopted me, right, I'm saved. I gave my life to Christ at a young age. I'm a, I'm a Christ follower. God is my father, right? I am His child. He adopted me. I didn't deserve to go to heaven. Romans 6.23 is pretty clear about that. We've all fallen short. But He adopts us as we give our lives to Christ and what happened on a cross, an empty tomb 2,000 years ago. He adopts us into right relationship with Him. And because He adopts us, you know, we have a role to play when it comes to adoption and caring practically for those in need. James one twenty seven talks about this. Pure and undefiled religion. Y'all know that text, right? Caring for widows and orphans. So we all have a role to play. Not everyone's called to adopt but we're all called to care for orphans in some way. And so we must find that out. And I'm thankful to see here in in this situation that we see that that Mordecai practically stepped in in a very difficult time for a young Esther to care for her, to love on her, and to parent her. And that's what adoption is about. And I'm thankful for the families. We've had You know, Christian adoption services. I've been there now a little over seven years. And we've had over... 300 families, 300 families step up and and make a difference in a child's life, whether that be here in North and South Carolina, uh, uh, also in the international side, which uh, Dave was in the Philippines. Philippines, I've been to Manila just a few years ago. That is one of our top countries internationally. i visited 10 orphanages there, so I'm thankful for families that have stepped up there internationally, but also on the foster and foster to adopt side. And so not everyone's called to adopt, but we all have a role to play when it, when it, when, as God calls us to care for those in need, specifically widows and orphans. And So let's keep going here. So we see that uh, Esther was adopted. You may have never thought about that before, never, never really focused on that. But she was adopted. That kind of sets the chain of motion of events that are going to take place later in her life. Now, we fast forward a little bit in chapter 2. Don't know how much time has passed, but some time has passed. And if you remember, the king was very upset with Uh, Vashti and began searching for a new queen, which took a while for this to take place as he interviewed um, a lot of folks, a lot of ladies during that time. But let's pick up in chapter 2 verse 15 as we talk about what adoption can do and adoption can change one's path for life. Let's look at verse 15 and how God used Esther's adoption and kind of put her on a course um, that, that, that he was going to bless and take care of her. Verse 15 tells us, that she was one of the candidates um, ultimately to be considered as queen. It says, verse 15 says, Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihil, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go go into the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's unit, the custodian of the women, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month which is the month of Tebath, in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the other virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Wow. Man, do you all see that? Adoption changes one's path for life. I mean, Esther went from orphaned to being adopted to being a Jewish woman who became queen in a foreign land. Wow. I mean that's just amazing uh, transformation of, and what what God was doing in her life, and so adoption changes one's path uh, for life. You know, and I'm thinking about we have the opportunity to to minister to a lot of moms that are pregnant. Um, this past year we had 253 gospel conversations with moms who are pregnant. They can be six weeks pregnant, 40 weeks pregnant, at the hospital. We, we, and they call us, and we have the opportunity to minister to them, to love on them, to care for them. Out of that group, 30 of those ladies chose uh, adoption through Christian Adoption Services. And I think about those children. A lot of the moms that we work with, sadly, they're in very difficult situations when they pick up that phone and they call Christian Adoption Services. And, and you know, they're homeless. They're on drugs. They make some very difficult decisions, right, that brought him, them to this point. And so when they call us and we have the opportunity to meet with them and to love on them, and then when they go through with that courageous decision to say, you know what, I'm not in a position to parent, but I want, to, I want my child to have a better life than I can give them, and they make that sacrificial choice to say, here, I choose you to adopt my child and to parent my child. Man, it's amazing to see that. It's pretty, pretty amazing and we call those those ladies heroes for sure and putting their child of hair of their own needs in that situation. But what happens is, you know, let's just say that child would have stayed in that mom's home at that moment and 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 that mom had not gotten her life right with the Lord, that path is very dysfunctional, growing up in that path of dysfunction. A lot of those children end up in the foster care system. There's a lot of lot of just craziness that happens there. But when adoption comes in through Christian adoption services, these children are then placed in stability in a loving, two-parent Christian family. And 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 that 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 up that likelihood of them coming to know Christ has increased substantially and and their and their their path of life has changed forever, right? It gives them opportunity. It doesn't guarantee anything, right? But it gives them an opportunity um, for life and ultimately eternal life to come. And so adoption changes one's path for life, and we see that in Esther's life. You know, about 11 months ago, we had a very uh, just an interesting phone call that came from the hospital, and I'll, I'll back into that a little bit um, before that call, um, but through adoption. And so we got, we got a call from the hospital and says, hey, we've got a situation. We need you to send somebody up. Let me give you the backstory on that. It's about two hours from here. Um, we had a, a, we come to, came to find out there was a, a young lady who was pregnant, She was 16 years old. She was a junior in high school, and she uh, found herself pregnant. She was dating somebody, another junior in high school. He was 16 years old, and she told uh, her boyfriend, said, I'm pregnant. And he said, what are you you planning on doing? She said, I don't know. She said, well, I want you to have an abortion. She said, I'm not sure I'm comfortable having an abortion. And uh, he said, well, if you don't have an abortion, I'm going to break up with you. So she had a, you know, a decision to make. Well, she didn't tell anybody. Didn't tell her mom didn't tell anybody. And so she decided she just wasn't comfortable having an abortion. And so she, uh, they, he broke up with her. So fast forward in the story now. She's 28 weeks pregnant. And that's where we get involved, 28 weeks pregnant. And she's at home. She still is hidden the pregnancy from everybody. Again, going to school, junior and high school. And so she uh, decides for some reason she got a hold of an abortion pill. And that she was going to take this pill, well, that wasn't a good choice to make because that that um, that actually put her in premature labor. She was at home, put her in premature labor. She knew what to do. She called her mom, who didn't know she was pregnant, and you know, told her to come home. They called 911. The, a little baby girl was born in the house. All right, in the house. Ambulance comes. They rush everybody to the hospital. I mean, a lot's going on. That's when we get the phone call. Phone call comes in to Christian Adoption Services. Says, "Hey, we got a situation here. Mom is not a position to parent. They talked about it. Can you get somebody up here now? And is there a family you have that can adopt this child?" Well, that wasn't a simple phone call because we we do have families, but it was a, a crisis situation from the standpoint. This little baby girl is like two pounds. They taken her to the NICU unit again, born at home. A lot of lot of lot of stuff going on there, and so. Um, we we begin we call a family and say hey here's a situation now imagine getting this phone call if you're if you're waiting to adopt um, we've got a situation at the hospital um, we've got a little a girl she's 28 weeks um, she's a preemie she's in the NICU unit we don't know if she's gonna make it would you adopt her whether it be a day a week month we don't know but would you adopt her and uh, this family said yes. They said, we'll adopt her. And so they go down to the hospital. And again, we're we're just, you know, we, we met the mom. The dad comes to the hospital. We get his signature, his, his permission, all the things that we have to do legally to, to make that happen. And so we're getting daily updates. We don't know if this little girl is going to live. We're praying hard, right? This little girl is going to make it. And so, again, daily updates, weekly updates. And so 10 weeks later, all right, 38 weeks post, if you want to go to the time frame of how old the child, you know, would have been in utero, 38 weeks, um, baby's doing great and got discharged and went home. And so 11 months later, so I stand here 11 months later, and we're just praising the Lord for what God has done in this family's life. And when you think about this text about and how adoption changes one's path for life, this little girl is a testimony of that, right? Because... The story doesn't end there. We, you know, we continue to pray. She's continue, She's doing great, but physically. But that at the right age of understanding, she'll come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Also, praying for the mom and dad who are gearing to graduate high school right now. That we'll have relationship with them and continue to minister to them. And so, it's amazing to see how adoption changes one's path for life. But this little girl, God, God saved her life, and hopefully, again her path of life will lead to eternal life through Jesus Christ as she comes to Him one day as she understands who Jesus is. And so adoption changes one's path for life. Let me, let me stop right there, though. It's pretty, pretty interesting. There's two word, There's one word used twice in these three verses that I think is, is worth speaking about just for a moment because I think all of us, you know, I've learned this a long time ago, is especially as we mature in our, in our, in our lives we, as we think about trials, tribulations, challenges, things that we're going through, they're, they're one of three places all of us are in today as we've walked into the worship center today here at West Cabarrus. One, we have just come through a difficult time. Call it a trial, call it a storm, whatever you want to talk, call it. You've just come through one. You're in the middle of one right now as you've walked in. You've got some stuff going on. Or three, one's coming. Would you all agree to that? Especially those of us who have some gray hair, would you all agree to that? This is the way it works. You either, you're either just come through one, you've got one you're dealing with right now, or one's coming. And I love how Esther dealt with this because what the Bible tells about Esther here, and it's a word that I think we all need to attain and, and, and look for. Verse 15 tells us that Esther obtained favor. She obtained favor in the sight of the Lord. And then in verse 17, it comes back and says it again. It says, the king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained what? Grace and favor in his sight. God's favor is something, guys. I'm telling you, no matter what you're going through, what you've gone through, or what you will go through, we want God's favor in our lives. If there's one thing I pray for, Kim and I pray for, as we celebrate uh, 29 years of marriage coming up this summer and praying for is our kids, that God will put his favor on them. Right? Right? With Emma, who's 24, and I think God's put his favor, right? He's, she's with y'all. That's favor, right? That's God's favor, man. She's serving here at West Bears That's good stuff, all right? But as God leads someone that may be her husband at one day, God puts favor in her life. Praying for my middle child, Stephen, he's here today. Stephen's uh, graduated from Gardner-Webb, going to Southeastern Seminary next fall, getting married this summer. Pray God's favor upon Stephen and guide him in the path. Of life, then my youngest Benjamin, who's here, he's uh he he'll be a, a senior at UNC Wilmington. Uh, he's going to study abroad, going going across the pond a little bit for a couple weeks. God puts His favor upon Ben and all the decisions that all these all my children are making. We want God's favor. Esther found God's favor, right? And that's something we should strive for and want in all of our lives. God's favor, adoption changes one's path for life. Now. I'm not going to have time to read chapter 3. Let me give you a summary of chapter 3. We've been introduced. Remember the key names. King Asurus, former Queen Vashti, Mordecai, who adopted Queen Esther. with me? Chapter 3, we're introduced to a bad guy. So when you hear his name, it's spelled H-A-M-A-N, Haman. Haman equals bad. I apologize to all the mothers if you named your child Haman today. I'm not talking about them. All right? Haman's a bad guy. I've not met anybody that's named their child Haman, all right? Haman, bad guy. Chapter 3, he comes in, goes to the king. He doesn't like the Jewish people. He doesn't like Jewish people. He doesn't like Mordecai. And so he puts together a plot to get rid of the Jews. And King Asurus just goes along with it. He trusts him. He's second in command. He goes with that. And so chapter 3, that's Haman, bad guy. He puts this conspiracy in place. Chapter 4, we're going to camp there for just a minute. This is when, this is a moment of truth, Mordecai finds out about this plot to exterminate the Jewish people. He then is communicating to Esther, Queen Esther, about what's happening. Now remember, Queen Esther's in the palace. Mordecai's not in the palace. They're going by messenger talking back and forth about this really tragic situation. Let's pick up in the middle of this and, and learn from what happens here because the third truth as we think about the beauty of adoption is adoption brings opportunity to follow God boldly. Adoption brings opportunity to follow God boldly. Let's pick up in the middle of this conversation. Again, by Messenger. Verse 13. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Man, this is a rich conversation. Now follow along here. Let's go back. So they're having this conversation. Mordecai's sharing with her this despicable plot that Haman's come up with. And so he's having this conversation. I think in his heart of hearts, all right? I think Mordecai's a man of faith. I think he believes in his heart of hearts that all this has come to be, but that God has a plan And he has put a Jew, a Jewish woman, as the queen of a foreign nation at this exact moment to do what? To protect the people. All right? I think he believes that. But he challenges Esther. All right? Here's what he says. Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, stop right there. Let's stop right there. So he's challenging her. saying He's basically saying, look, Queen Esther if we don't do anything about this or if you don't do anything about this, this will affect us here, but it's also going to affect you in the palace. It's not going to, you're not going to be immune to what's getting ready to happen all right But then he says, this is his great statement of faith. He's basically saying in verse 14, if you decide not to get involved in this situation, I have faith that God's going to use somebody else to save his people. That's his faith statement there. I love that. But again, I think in his heart of hearts, he was challenging her to to step up. And he believed that she was the one God was going to use to intervene and protect his people. And then he closes in in verse uh, 14 with this classic statement. Yet who knows whether you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You know, that you'll see that phrase in the Bible in different times, and I think is, 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 is pertinent and relevant to all of us today, because God has chosen for us to be born and to live in this time period in the 21st century, 2023, and certainly we have our own issues. Would you all agree? There's a lot of cultural issues that we're dealing with, but I believe God has placed us here in this moment for such a time as this, to have our moment of, of, of truth. Are we going to be a people of faith? Just like they were dealing with back there in you know, 480 B.C., how are we going to respond when we have things coming at us that are, that are wicked and ungodly just like they did? How are we going to respond? Hopefully, we're going to respond like Esther did. Now, I didn't put this in the, 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 for the screen, but let's, let's look at the response in verse 15. If you have your Bibles, look at this. Because Esther gives us a blueprint, by the way. If you're in the middle of something crazy right now and it's just challenging, Esther gives us a blueprint on how to deal with it right here because this is this is a high pressure. You know, Esther had to remember what just happened to the former queen, right? She didn't listen to the king. She knew that if she approached the king and tried to get involved in this situation, it might not be good for her. So, it was life or death, right? For her. And so there was a lot of pressure on her in this situation. But what's the first thing that she did? After they finished this conversation, look at, look at verse 15. Esther told them to reply to Mordecai Go gather all the Jews who are present in Sushan and what? Fast for me. Fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And I love this last statement. And I will go to the king, which is against the law. This is against the law, but I'm going to go to the king, and then what? And if I perish, I perish. She basically is saying, look, I'm going to go. Whatever happens, happens, but I'm going to go before the king and and petition him to make a difference for my people. I'm going to lay it out there. And so she gives us a blueprint of how we're to handle things and to follow God boldly. And we see that through the adoption that took place in chapter 2 to this point, it brought her an opportunity to follow God boldly. And boy, Does she follow that? And, and man, it's going to make a difference. Now, chapter 5, quick summary again. You're going to have to go back. Chapter 5, we see that uh, Esther follows through with her plan. She sets up a banquet between the king, her, and the bad guy, Haman. All is revealed there in chapter 5 of what happens. Chapter 6 gives us a brief interlude of how the king ought Mordecai from a previous plot to kill him uh, that was mentioned earlier. And and then chapter 7 brings it full circle Um, On Haman, the bad guy. Matter of fact, chapter seven talks about uh, how Haman had built these gallows, right, Uh, for specifically for Mordecai. He he hated Mordecai. Specifically, had his servants build these gallows so that Mordecai could be hung from these gallows. Chapter 7 shows how it comes full circle as this plot is revealed. And Haman himself is hung on the gallows that he had actually had built for his enemy Mordecai. And that leads us to chapter 8. As we talk about this last truth, one adoption can change history for many others. One adoption can change history for many others. Let's let's look at these last verses in chapter 8. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave uh, Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews. And Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told how he was related uh, to her. So the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther appointed Mordecai over the house of Haman. Now Esther spoke again to the king, fell down at his feet, and implored him with tears to counteract the evil of Haman the Agagite and the scheme which he had devised against the Jews. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king and said, If it pleases the king and if I found favor in his sight, and the thing seems right to the king and I am pleasing to his eyes, let it be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman the son of Hammedatha the Agagite, which he wrote to annihilate the Jews who are who are in all the king's provinces. For how can I endure to see the evil that will come to my people? Or how can I endure to see the destruction of my countrymen? Then King Asuras said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Indeed, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows, because he tried to lay his hand on the Jews. You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews, as you please, in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet ring. For whatever is written in the king's name, and seal with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Wow. One adoption can change history for many others. Because of Esther's boldness, it protected the people. I mean, think about this. The Jewish people in a foreign land, the king of Persia is making these statements about the Jewish people. That's the hand of God and the boldness and, and faith of, uh, uh, of Esther and Mordecai in this situation. Now, the story goes on, chapter nine, you have to read on your own, but what's cool about chapter nine is a feast is established. And it's a feast, it's called the Feast of Purim, and it's still practiced today. in Israel remembering what happened here in this situation in 480 B.C. And then chapter 10 closes with uh, talking about Mordecai and how, how the Lord allowed him to advance in the kingdom and become second in charge there in, a, again, a foreign nation. Pretty amazing to see how, how God blessed in this situation. And so uh, I'm thankful for this story of Esther, and I'm thankful for what adoption can mean in people's lives and how how folks can come to know Jesus Christ as a result of being exposed to truth and being and being adopted by two parents that love the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, as we think about, you know, how what is our action step today? You know, I think for all of us is something to think about. And one is God calling us to adopt, right? And then two, for most of us, God's not calling us to adopt, but how can we be involved in that, and why should we be involved? And we've talked about that theologically already, that because he adopted us, we have a role to play. But for many of us, it's prayer, and the biggest prayer need we have is praying for these moms. We, we're dealing with a lot of dysfunction out there. Um, we've already had 19 adoptions this year. At Christian Adoption Services, and ministering and loving on these moms. And so, you know, for us, it's about caring and loving on these moms to a whole nother level, which you can see with the Emmanuel Home, we are committed to caring for these moms, not just temporary, but long-term. I want to show you a picture here um, as we wrap up today. This is an amazing picture. This, this actual picture was from last year from our 25th annual Birth Moms Retreat, and uh, it, it was awesome. Right here... We had at this particular event, these are all birth moms over the years that it placed at CAS. At this event, eight of these ladies on this screen right here gave their life to Christ at the event. Eight of these moms. Uh, amen. Praise the Lord. And uh, eight gave their life to Christ. We just had just recently our 26th annual birth moms retreat. I probably should, I need to get that picture and get it up there. We should show both of these. But at that retreat, we had nine make decisions for Christ. And so, again... This is what this ministry is standing for, and caring and loving on moms and caring for them to a whole nother level. You know, and, and being good Baptist, Southern Baptist, uh, growing up Southern Baptist, I know we, we keep numbers, and you've heard me spout out a bunch of numbers today. And so since I've been at CAS, we're aware of 50 moms that have given their life to Christ since I've been at CAS, right? Amen. Praise the Lord. All to Him. But as you think about, you know, as so I think about the 50, as a pastor, you know, the parable of the lost sheep just jumps into my heart, right? I mean, because if you, you know, take the numbers I gave you just a minute ago. Last year we had 253 gospel conversations. 30 of them chose to follow Christ. I mean, t- t- sorry, 30 of them chose to place their child for adoption. And then, of course, we know of eight that gave up to Christ last year. That means that we've had, if you average those numbers out over seven years, and we've had some higher years, some lower years, we've had about 2,000 gospel conversations, right? with moms who were pregnant over that seven years. And when you think parable of all sheep, I remember, you know, just thanking the Lord for the 50 adoptions that, I mean, the 50 salvations that we've had over these seven years. But it makes me wonder about, you know, the 1,950 moms that we don't know what happened to them, right? A lot of them we don't know what happened to but what I do know, we don't know if they chose an abortion. We don't know where they are. We don't know if they chose to parent or uh, went through another adoption agency. But what I do know and what the Lord has is, is shown me is because we are a ministry that stands on God's Word and we plant the seed of the gospel with these ladies, I believe with all my heart that there are going to be more moms than 50 in heaven one day because somebody came behind us and watered that seed. And we're going to see those moms in heaven one day, and you as West Cabarrus Church are part of all those stories because we have the opportunity to minister together and because you're praying for this ministry and you're giving to this ministry, we're all a part of that story and we get to heaven, we're going to celebrate that all together. That's the beauty of adoption, my friends. And so I just want to thank you for your prayers and support this ministry. It's a it's a privilege to partner with West Cabarrus. You guys, as as Brandon mentioned, missionally, y'all are on fire for the Lord. And I'm very thankful. And I'm also thankful for the culture of adoption this here, right? I get to preach in a lot of churches that don't know much about adoption. You guys know a lot. I mean, y'all demonstrate it through your foster care ministry, through through many others that have fostered and adopted as well. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. And so want to give this time to the Lord as we have a time of reflection. Uh, we also have a little table out there. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, we have some brochures. Uh, we're right down the street in Indian Trail, so not far away. And I know you know Emma who can connect us as well. Um, but we also have a little prayer list. If you'd like to join our prayer email, we send out about every couple of months an email to pray specifically for different situations, you can put your email down. We'd love to add you to our, our, our prayer email list as well. But let's go to the Lord in prayers. As we ask him to work in our lives. And, and again, because we've been adopted, if you're saved today, you've been adopted. Because you've been adopted, we have a role to play. May God, may God help us to figure that out for each of us and what that looks like. Let's bow our heads as we pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege of worship. Thank you for this incredible story of adoption. Lord, I thank you for the courage of Esther, the courage of Mordecai in very difficult situations, Lord, and how you used that story to bless and protect the people that ultimately would lead to the line of Jesus. So, Lord, we thank you for their courage. And, Lord, in our day-to-day, I pray that we'll be courageous, that we'll be faithful in different situations that we run into, and that we are, we are prepared for such a time as this moment. Father, to, to, to show our faith and love for you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for adopting us, Lord. And I pray that we will be faithful to you in whatever you call us to do when it comes to, to being involved because you adopted us. Lord, we love you. We give you this time of reflection. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.